Programming Notes episodes, the general concept is that you can get an extended summary of episodes if you decide that you'd rather have that than listen to the episodes themselves, as well as some notes about what's going on in the community or how you can be helpful and useful in the community. Programming notes for the week of January 15th, 2023. Welcome to another week of episodes, Meshinistas. Oh, you know you hate that label? Well, me too. But we should look to find a label for those that believe in data mesh but aren't kind of the cult of data mesh that seems to pop up every few months and then kind of dies back down. You know, data mesh, it's not perfect. It won't ever be that. It's not fully baked yet, but I still think we should build a little bit more camaraderie between each other. Please get into the Slack in general and start suggesting your panel topics for 2023. I'm thinking we might move to maybe even a weekly cadence of an interview, a mesh musing or a Jamax corner, and a panel. Maybe not that many panels, but maybe two, three, maybe every week, but I, I think at least two or three a month would be nice. But I need feedback if that is what people want and what topics people would actually want panels around. I can find the people. It's not very hard for me to find people. And if you want to be on a panel or you want to suggest, hey, we should do a panel around this and I want to anchor it, great, get in touch. But like, I kind of need that feedback. Otherwise, I'm just talking into the void. So what's on tap for this week? On Monday, we have episode 181, learnings from Blablacar's early data mesh journey positive transformation for the people and the organization. An interview with Kinaret Kimi. So some really interesting learnings from Blah Blah Car's early data mesh journey. They decided not to actually decentralize their data team, but instead worked in squads still in that central team assigned to the domains. Their proof of concept brought a few things to light that might have sunk their implementation, according to Kinaret. Right? especially around keeping data people in touch with each other in guilds to share knowledge and keep people feeling like a team despite not working side by side any longer. So you know, you've got a team of a data engineer and a data scientist and a data analyst. And if those, that data engineer isn't talking with other data engineers, they can get quite lonely. So <laughs> some interesting learnings there. On Wednesday, we have episode 182, Jamac corner number 15, uh, a post-pipeline world, how to build data products and a product creation ecosystem that inherently creates trust. We wrap up another recording of Jamax Corner talking about how do we actually start to look to build data products in a post-data pipeline world. Data tools right now are kind of duct taped to each other and duct taped to the pipeline. How do we rethink starting from that end data product, you know, that mesh data product, and hook the tools to that kind of container around the mesh data product, as you talked about in a previous episode? How do we really think about that? And how, if you build a system that truly focuses 
on intentionality and responsibility that people can actually see what's going on. It creates trust. So away with the data black box, right? That pipeline is a black box. On Friday, we have episode 183, Business Intelligence's Place in Data Mesh, B-I-G-I-N with the end in mind, an interview with Ryan Dolly. So I haven't done too much to cover BI's place in data mesh, but it's obviously pretty crucial, right? I think BI is often seen as a layer outside of the data mesh. Maybe it's part of the self-serve platform. Maybe it isn't, uh, you know, with the data marketplace conversation. Yeah, kind of, uh, I don't know. But the BI layer is where most of an organization's people will actually interact with data, right? How are they actually going to interact with that? Is it that they're going to go in and be doing a bunch of of heavy transformations or are they going to be looking at kind of dashboards and reports and things like that? Um, Maybe even, you know, doing a little bit of transformation stuff in a Tableau or something like that, but still it's not uh, kind of pre-baked for a lot of people. So don't leave that BI aspect as an afterthought instead of a core part of your data strategy wrapped with data mesh. So I think you'll learn a lot from that. And with all of that said, on to the extended summaries for the interviews from this week. Extended summary for episode 181, learnings from BlahBlahCar's early data mesh journey, positive transformation for the people and the organization, an interview with Kinneret Kimi. So in this episode, I interviewed Kinneret, who's the analytics lead at BlahBlahCar. Kinneret started off the conversation saying she was previously running data engineering at BlahBlahCar, but with the move to data mesh, that isn't really a necessary role anymore. So now she is the analytics lead. This was part of their greater reorganization of their data organization, where they are organized around domains into squads instead of functions like, you know, data engineering or data science or things like that. So crucial domains might have one or two data engineers, software engineer, data analyst, and a data scientist in one, you know, one squad specifically focused on their data. So blah, blah, car has the central data team, but each squad is essentially attached to a domain. They kept their chapters around functional roles to keep knowledge sharing high and promote more camaraderie between similar roles attached in a squad to different domains. So this would be like, there's a data engineering um, chapter and things like that, because when they were doing their POC, they found that uh, the the people in those POCs were feeling really lonely because they were the only ones that were doing kind of their functional aspect within that squad. Blah, blah, car sees the value in sharing their experiences as well with kind of the broader data community early and often so they can take in external feedback and also help out, you know, all of you out there looking to do similar things with data. You know, my note here is if I had a nickel for every time I tried to preach that this is beneficial to, <laughs> to companies to be doing this. 
on advice as to how to start a data mesh journey, Keenerit was relatively insistent that you need to form a group of people to partner with on the transformation. No matter your title, you need to have people to lean on and get feedback from. You can't simply drive it by force of will. Some things Blah Blah Car did that she believes helped make their journey, you know, successful or more successful were getting broad alignment around their data mesh journey, including around planning. It wasn't just a small team of people. All the data team worked together around this. You know, the second aligns well with Jamak's advice too. Start small. It allowed them to get people used to new a new way of working instead of trying to shift the entire data approach of the organization at once. They focused on collecting feedback from everyone involved in their POC so they could see how well it worked and so that future domains could replicate the successful parts and avoid the ways of working that didn't go as well. It's pretty easy to just say, hey, go do this and not take in the feedback and kind of learn from that. As part of their three-month proof of concept, Keeneret and team took in a lot of feedback from that single team. The reorg made a number of the data squad attached to the domain, as I mentioned, it made them feel lonely and disconnected from others in a similar role. So again, back to chapter's approach to keep people connected around their role functions. Keeneret said she believes if they tried to move all the domains at once to data mesh, their journey would have failed and they likely wouldn't have kept their data people nearly as happily because they might not have implemented the chapter's approach early enough. To keep your overall organization on board with your data mesh journey, it's important to think about how stakeholders interact with the data team and keep that stable while you are in transition, according to Keeneret. If key stakeholders across the organization have to go through an entirely new and different process with each domain to get information out of that domain, the stakeholders are not going to be happy. So plan ahead and communicate what changes and have things well documented, not just the data, not just at the data product level, but at the business process level. If only you could build a data mesh as if it were a separate thing unto itself, but it's part of the business strategy. You can't keep your data mesh implementation in a bubble. For Keeneret, there have been some data mesh transition pain pain points, especially around people moving into different roles or day-to-day responsibilities, but communication is the key to keeping everyone aligned and limiting the unnecessary pain that often comes with change. Again, if I had a nickel for every time this has come up, if someone is used to talking with Alice in the central team about challenges with data, and then Alice is suddenly in another domain, there is some frustration and concern by that data consumer as to who to talk to and how can they get to a good relationship with their new contact. But a key goal of Data Mesh is to make data consumers' overall experience better, right? So while it might be challenging at at first, a bit challenging as things change, keeping data consumers informed of change and making sure there are low friction processes to get what they need, that's crucial to to keeping and driving buy-in. Keenerat believes data documentation as a whole needs to be disrupted. We generally have some necessary pieces, but it's still overly manual 
right, to properly document and and data consumers still generally can't really understand the data without digging into it themselves. So the documentation is just kind of nice to look at <laughs> and you, you kind of read it after you've started to poke at it. The documentation generally isn't capable of doing what's necessary to get someone up to speed on a data product. Even though Kinneret's team is, is doing great, it's still a challenge to find the right mix of important to in-depth uh, within the data documentation. And it's still very manual work to create the documentation. One note here I would say is very, very true. Data documentation is still an incredibly difficult task to get right, and it's probably far more tedious than it really needs to be. You know, maybe we can have chat GPT or whatever <laughs> do our, some of our data documentation for us. We'll see. When asked for some general data mesh getting started advice, Kinera had some beginning questions instead. What does your general data governance look like? If it's not robust, you should look to set that data governance up before decentralizing. You'll save yourself a lot of unnecessary pain. A second question, what is your buy-in for data mesh like? And what is the reason for thinking data mesh is the right choice to solve your challenges? You know, data mesh isn't right for every organization. A note I'd have on this is, you know, I fully agree. If, if centralization isn't your bottleneck, decentralizing is far more likely to cause more issues. Be realistic about what data mesh can change and what it can't. Don't use an excavator to dig a three-inch deep trench in your garden. So a third question to kind of ask yourself, are you really ready to do your POC and give it the resources necessary to succeed? Are you setting your proof of concept up to succeed by not putting too much pressure or trying to tackle too hard of a problem? And then lastly, can you find a proof of concept use case that is relatively contained so this doesn't have too much outside influence and too many stakeholders? Can you clear the space to make it possible to succeed? Uh, the folks at Glovo, um, Havo and Pablo had mentioned this as well, is that when you don't have nearly as many stakeholders, it means that people can kind of focus on serving one or two consumers, one or two stakeholders, instead of trying to make, you know, 10 different people happy. A non-standard approach Kinneret and team took was by separating their ingestion for data and putting that on the data platform team. So the data domains could focus on the cleaning and transforming data instead of setting up that kind of extraction in that in, in, from the databases and other data stores and, and ingesting it into the data products. This was part of blah, blah, cars, capability building, and data ownership transition strategy. They didn't ask or expect the world from the data domains as they're learning how to deal with data. Find relatively simple things for them to do instead of the most complex data engineering tasks. You know, that crawl, walk, jog, run. I think too fast we're trying to get to run. I would even say, you know, there might be something in, even in between crawl and walk. Heading into the end of the conversation, Kinneret really emphasized how important it is to get the people aspects of something like data mesh right. Make sure people can feel seen and heard. Keep people informed. Keep people in touch with those doing the same functional roles so your technical folks don't get too lonely, etc. Really make sure you focus much more 
then most technical people probably want to. You know, the tech is cool, but focus on making this a positive, transformative experience for your people in your organization, not just the organization itself, right? Make this a positive transformation for them as human beings, as members of your organization, not just that you're changing your organization's way of working. A couple of quick tidbits to wrap up on. Governance can be really difficult, but very crucial early in a data mesh journey. You want everyone on the same page relative to ways of working, but also on the shared governance tooling, such as observability, cataloging, and lineage. Make sure to treat your initial proof of concept domain teams like pioneers and give them the support and guidance necessary. Keep undue burden off them as best as possible. Keep in constant contact for feedback to learn how it's going and to kind of set yourself up for the next team to to have a better experience and look at to make it as beneficial to them as possible. Celebrate the POC domain teams because they went and did the big kind of scary thing that could transform your organization. Extended summary for episode 183, Business Intelligence Place in Data Mesh, BI Gin with the end in mind, an interview with Ryan Dolly. So in this episode, I interviewed Ryan, an independent business intelligence consultant. Ryan started with a bit of inspiration and or a call to action to fellow business intelligence people. Data Mesh and a lot of other movements in data are creating a massive wave of innovation further up the data stack or data and analytics process. So BI people can either get with the wave and ride the changes to greater value or get washed over by that wave. He says ride that wave. Upskilling can be painful, but it can mean a major upgrade in capabilities and value for the people who do it. And being highly tech capable in BI is a great career move right now. Really helps you differentiate, especially in a down market. According to Ryan, the last mile of analytics where BI really fits has been somewhat ignored in most modern data approaches and technical innovations. You know, the modern data stack doesn't really talk all that much about the BI aspect. Tableau kind of defined an era of BI. And while Tableau isn't going away, that era, in Ryan's view, is kind of coming to a close. So he believes things like data mesh need to focus more on the last mile of analytics as well, or at least specifically call things out more often as to what changes and how in in BI, whether we call that self-serve or anything else, doesn't really matter, right? What does the upstream changes from data mesh mean for BI? How can we take advantage of these improvements in data processing, ownership, quality, et cetera, to deliver actual insights to those that matter? Ryan asked, how should we actually do corporate BI in a data mesh type setup? Right now, 
pre-data mesh, most organizations have centralized BI teams. And while domains will probably need some BI capabilities, a recurrent theme in this episode is that most exec, and the, the podcast in general, is that most exec questions are not single domain questions. So we build this huge amount of interoperable data. Who is in charge of bringing that together at the kind of corporate level, whether that's, you know, pre-asking questions or, or uh, when like somebody actually has a question and going and, and finding the answer? Who actually owns creating and maintaining C-suite and board-level dashboards and, and reports? Are we expecting execs to build those themselves? <laughs> And historically, central BI slash data warehouse teams haven't really loved embedded BI teams, often calling them shadow IT. Can they play nicely together? If yes, how? There is often too much of a we'll cross that bridge when we come to it relative to BI as part of most modern data strategies, according to Ryan. While BI might not actually be part of the exact data mesh implementation at some organizations. There's all kinds of definitions and each org is extending the self-serve platform to encompass different aspects of of analytics, whether that's in the BI or not, doesn't really matter. BI definitely should be part of your data strategy, whether it's exactly under the data mesh purview or not. Otherwise, what is the point of doing data work if not to, you know, generate actionable insights. Like if you're not actually doing the insights, which is the BI work, why are you doing this? This is especially an issue when trying to embed insights and analytics in general into other applications and workflows, right? Like how do we actually get there? An important aspect of a data mesh implementation for Ryan is what is left to the BI tool and what is pushed down into the data product. A note that I would say is episode 40 with Xavier Gumara Ragol covers kind of this question pretty well. And he's got his own opinionated view, but really like what are the questions you need to ask and answer? He's, he's got a lot of views on that. So there isn't a lot of guidance or discussion happening exactly on what is the best practice across the industry or how people are implementing embedded insights, just that it's kind of the future. There needs to be far more conversation about who owns data throughout the data and analytics process lifecycle. Is it all on the domains? Like, when is that handover? I've talked about this with the Marisa Fish uh, set of questions of like, when you're doing information exchange, are you giving people the data so they can create their own insights? Are you trying to share the insights? Are you trying to share the insights and the so what? And we just need to get really crisp around that. Make the implicit, explicit. So for Ryan, there are a few reasons why the general data warehouse has not been as successful as it could be. To actually interact with the data warehouse, people need a decent level of technical and BI skills. So when it comes to data mesh, we don't want there to be an even higher skill level required. So domains likely need to own some of their own BI, sharing insights from the domain in a consumable way to the rest of the organization. We can't only have domains sharing just the data, the raw data as is, right? Or even in a modeled format, we need to be explicit about sharing information to a purpose. Is that to get the data, the insight, or the action that should be taken based on the insight? Again, one note that I would say is there will be people in your organization that are only information consumers. 
taking info from dashboards and reports made for them. It's up to the organization to figure out if that is acceptable or try to upskill those people kind of against their will. While product-oriented thinking is picking up in more areas of data, it's not very common in the BI world, according to Ryan. Most BI teams have no real idea of how useful any of what they produce is to the organization. Sometimes that is they don't have the system set up to even monitor it, but if they do, they typically don't understand how usage translates to value or honestly even look at the usage metrics. That means the BI teams lack the insights to make their BI assets as valuable as possible. What are the SLAs people need to make the most use of this data? How timely or accurate or complete or whatever does this need to be to drive the most value and be be trustable? If BI people develop those relationships and that information flow, they can evolve what they produce to continue to meet needs. We need to stop producing work into the void. Who is using this BI asset and why and how can we make it better and or less costly to produce? A really important aspect of designing usable BI is thinking about the actual user in Ryan's view. It's often overlooked too and is part of product thinking. What is the product market fit for the BI asset or data product you are developing? How do people want to interact with it, not just what are you developing and going to hand over to them? How far along the pathway from raw data to insight to so what, you know, that action that should be taken is the producer's responsibility to own and do the actual data work. Does the consumer understand and agree? How can we generate things in data to create understanding and trust with the minimal amount of effort? Dashboards are great if you're monitoring a known question. We also need to get far better at answering how do we persuade someone with data. Ryan believes BI people need to move past the idea that the output is the end of the process. That dashboard or report or whatever is a communication mechanism about what is currently known. But it's not as as if there is a single answer that stays the same as well. How many customers do we have? It's not a one-time answer question. There needs to be a lot of work to bring more iteration into BI, especially collaborating with consumers as both sides learn more about questions they're trying to answer together. So BI teams need to move past being order takers and move to being part of the productization process around data and insights. Iterating in BI is not common practice, but really, really needs to be. BI is probably the most important aspect of your data culture, according to Ryan. I don't know that I fully agree, but he can go out on that limb if you'd like. That's simply because it's the place where the vast majority of your organization will interact with your data at that BI level. Whether that is generating insights or merely consuming them, BI should not be left until the end of your data strategy. Again, that crossing that bridge when we come to it. But it often is left to the end specifically because it is where there is the most human interaction and change management. And that's the hardest part of change management, right? Dealing with those pesky humans. Don't try to put it off until the end as well as it will 
just create more pain than is necessary. Ryan said, begin with the end in mind. It's quite easy in data work to get lost in the how instead of the why. The how is the fun, interesting, technical challenges part, right? What are you actually trying to achieve? BI at the end of the day is not about generating insights. It's about supporting actions that help the business. So how do you build your BI strategy into your data mesh implementation strategy strategy so you are not just making data available and trustable? How can you move past just generating those insights, you know, to actual actions? How do you think about the end, making smarter business decisions driven by trustable data and kind of work backwards and figure out how BI supports that? Don't lose sight of what you are trying to achieve as an organization instead of as the data team. Ryan wrapped up the conversation by returning to the crucial points of integrating in product thinking to BI and kind of the upskilling. We we can go further than we ever have before with data and BI, but we have to embrace new ways of working, both on the strategy, data culture side, and the technology. But just trying to advance your BI practice with technology is going to miss a whole lot of the value. So some quick tidbits to wrap up on. We have to figure out in the domain if BI is a primary role or if it is part of the necessary skill sets involved, but not really a separate role, right? Is there actually people that their main role in the, in the domain is doing business intelligence? It will probably be domain dependent, not even organization dependent, based on the complexity, size, and data value of the domain. Right? If you've got a small domain, do you really need a team of business analysts in there? Versus if you've got a really, really important domain that's very complex, maybe you do need that in there. And are they inward facing or external facing? Again, we'll, we'll figure all that stuff out, but I think it's dependent on the organization. Right now, most organizations want to embed insights into their general flow applications, such as like the, the CRM for the sales team, but they aren't doing the backend work to even make that possible. It's one of those things of wouldn't it be nice? Finally, putting a business analyst in the boardroom simply as a vehicle to live answer question usually causes more issues than it solves. It leads to a high pressure environment where you can't be sure of quality of answers because people haven't been able to ensure is this exactly what's going down. I fully agree. There's a long rant I have about this, but we need that business analyst in the boardroom to work with people on what information they will want to answer in the future rather than what's the quick answer today. Like, how do we set ourselves up to answer these questions that are going to come up, that are going to be important to our strategy? That's the thing where I think we need to have that much more in the boardroom. 